Hello and welcome to the Compassionate Leadership Interview. I'm Chris Whitehead and my guest today is Dave Hembra, founder and head coach of Hallam Barbell, Sports Personality of the Year 2020, Ung Sung Hero for the BBC Yorkshire region, lead strength and conditioning coach at Sheffield Hallam University. You can find Dave on Twitter at D-W-H-E-M-B-R-O. Welcome, Dave. Hello, So today we break new ground on the Compassionate Leadership interview. You're the first leader of a sports club that we've had on the show. Since sport in general and rowing and cycling in particular is a passion of mine, I don't know how it's taken so long, but here we are. Tell us about Hallam Barbell. Here we are indeed. Lovely to speak to you and thank you for the invite. What a, a, priv- a privilege and a pleasure to, to set the standard for leaders of sports clubs who were uh, uh, fundamentally very important, aren't they, in the world, particularly at the moment. So I lead Hallam Barbell. It's a weightlifting and strength training club uh, affiliated to British Weightlifting, who are the uh, national governing body of the, the sport of Olympic weightlifting. But of course, um, the lifting of weights is far more than the Olympic competitive version. Strength training has become really popular recently, which we... Um, we would certainly say we're riding the wave of, but maybe um, we were part of the uh, the cause of that wave as well. We set Helen Barbell up just over 10 years ago, where I had a role as a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, and within that, I was using Olympic weightlifting to make athletes fitter uh, uh, and stronger and more effective to do what they needed to do to beat their opposition. Uh, and within that, I was lifting weights Olympic style myself and started to compete recognized that there was more to it and did some coaching qualifications and before too long I I had a merry band of others who were lifting weights and I was training them for competition and we were competing together. I set Hallam Barbell up, Hallam being the geographic uh, location and the affiliation with the university, Barbell being the implement we use so we are a, a Barbell club. What I didn't know at that point in time was the responsibilities and the requirements that uh, as a head coach of a club I had I didn't know what I was getting into and I didn't know that I wasn't equipped in in many ways so it's been a fantastic learning journey of of leadership uh, from from back in those times when we started. Yeah can you tell us a bit more about that learning journey because you've had roles in strength and conditioning at national level for volleyball and table tennis as well as weightlifting haven't you? Yeah that's right and yeah strength and conditioning context my my profession and my career, uh, I've been very fortunate with the roles that I've had. And I, I led the GB women's volleyball uh, team, women's volleyball team at 2012 Olympics. Uh, we, we won medals at the uh, Glasgow 2014 Commonwealth Games, where I was working with England table tennis, British diving. And I, I've trained some, some world champions in a few sports too. So I've had a really lovely career in sport and performance. That didn't prepare me to, to run a club or to manage people and volunteers and accounts and marketing campaigns. But it did equip me in developing relationships and working with people, which is really important in, in being a coach. And what I did learn from those those times in high performance sport was that helping people to beat an opposition wasn't my driving force. It was helping people to be better and enjoy life more and be happier and healthier 
Uh, and that's what we do at Helen Barber. And I use my coaching skills to, to help people facilitate that. And we do compete a little bit and we win some championships and break some records. But that, that ultimately isn't the, the driving factor for me as a coach within our program. I think when we talked b- before the show, we both reflected on the fact that people join a sports club for the sport, but they stay because of the community, don't they? And also, when we talked before the show, you described Richard Field's integral leadership course as a formative experience. Would you like to say more about that? Yeah, absolutely. It was a really timely opportunity and something I've learned so so much from. 2012, 2013, just come through the, the, the Olympic Games, uh, just started working professional boxing with uh, a boxer who was training for a world uh, championship fight. and. Um, at the same time, having such a successful career in sport, an opportunity for development came about to join a, an internal program at Sheffield Hamm University for, for, for managers. And it's a postgraduate diploma. Um, so it's an official um, academic program um, read by, led by Richard Field and a few other people. And it was Integral Leadership. It was one of the titles. I think the official title was uh, Business Engagement and Advanced Business Practice. But effectively, it was their Integral Leaders program that they've delivered in the corporate world, dropped into academic lands. Uh, And it was great. It really opened my eyes into leadership, into organization management. um, But it had a very philosophical underpinning, which really matched my outlook and beliefs and, and ways of working as a coach. Yeah. You want to tell us about that philosophical underpinning? How would you describe that? I've always been uh, a thinker, a watcher, and, and a doer. And I've often been frustrated by inaction. One of the um, outlooks I, I have is I like to move fast and, and break things. I'm quite happy to get things wrong. Um, and I'd, I'd rather be doing and trying rather than thinking and talking. And in doing so, you, um, you, you need people to support you, but you also leave some people behind. Not everyone around you gets the vision or is willing to commit to the action that it takes. And, and at that point, you've got to call people out or, or uh, cajole them along. I mean, part of my, my philosophy, I've got a purpose statement, which was developed in part as a result of the course we just talked about, which uh, really sort of drives me and is something that grounds me and, and helps me um, check myself that I'm going in the right direction or the activities I'm committing my time to are the correct ones. Yeah. Go on. Let us have your uh, personal mission statement then. Yeah, so, so I, I've called it a purpose statement, which I guess is the same, isn't it, as a mission statement. Um, but for me, your purpose is um, really important. Uh, and so my purpose that I, I defined is to find happiness and contentment for me, my family, and those around me uh, as best as I can through being positive and future-focused, supportive, caring and compassionate, and by making a difference through action. I really like that. How do you handle the unique challenges of leading a sports club as opposed to a business? For example, you're working with volunteers on a shoestring budget, aren't you? We are. It's a small, relatively new and growing organisation. There's inherent challenges with all of those uh, aspects. And uh, as I said earlier, it's a learning journey. Um, I've got a a vision and a direction. I've got some people supporting me. And... um, I recognise that I've got a team of people around me that I need to support too. And we build the, the vision and we identify the journey. And as the leader of that, um, it's my job for everyone to be contributing and happy. And, and I think if you've got a vision and you've got some momentum uh, and people are 
contributing and active rather than passive uh, and enjoying that journey, you're going to go to great places. Now, those places might not always be where you, you set out to go, but that's that's part of the fun of the adventure as well. You put a lot of work into mentoring and developing coaches, both within Hallam Barbell and outside of your organisation. Could you tell us more about the programmes you run and the thinking behind them? As, as a leader, I think people are ultimately really important and um, developing people is a priority for me. You can't be a leader without people, can you? And you can't force people to buy into your leadership. And I mentioned earlier, for people to be happy and content and enjoying the challenge and the journey, part of that comes with development. You know, we, we've got mainly a, a volunteer infrastructure, and, and you've got to know what volunteers who are committing time are there to, to get. And you know, the, the development is often one of those those important facets. So I run a number of mentoring programs, uh, mentoring coaches, um, supporting people. I've always run at the university a strength and conditioning mentorship program, which came about of having a great facility, but not a workforce or a budget, but having loads of students who, who provided a great opportunity to develop that voluntary workforce, that internship, um, and, and serve the student sporting audience. Uh, so that, that's an ongoing project. Um, the volunteers at Hallam Barbell are really important, and that extends from coaches now into um, a wider sort of workforce of governance and safeguarding and marketing uh, but more particularly and more recently i've run a, a mentoring program throughout the covid period in time where at the start of covid and start of lockdown one i i realized that i had a little bit of flexibility in the time that w- was available to me from the conditions of working at home and the fact that a number of my programs had uh, obviously stopped because covid didn't allow them. and i, I recognize that young coaches perhaps coaches who just got the first foot on the ladder or were hoping to, perhaps young people who were just leaving college or university and wanting to step into the, the, the world to become professionals or, or gain more experience, they'd lost that opportunity. And, and so I, I developed a, a COVID coach mentoring program and I've taken a number of people on, on a journey over the last few months. And that's just concluding at the moment. And it's been great. And it's something I've taken real pleasure and pride from. We, uh, we've had a monthly meeting as a group. I set them up in a buddy system. Um, so they have a, a buddy that they have regular one-to-ones with, uh, which I gave them the framework for. Uh, and then I, I've offered each of those individuals a, a one-to-one with me every two to three weeks where we really drive um, actions uh, and hold them to account. And we've had some great successes for some young people um, who um, have been going through difficult times. Again, that's just part of my philosophy of you know, helping people be happy and, and challenging them to develop and, and taking them on a great journey. What's your proudest achievement during your career to date? One of the things I really enjoy by way of achievement is what I know I have created through um, the way I've influenced things and we've developed what we do. I've got a, uh, a young baby, Nina, a baby, she's two and a half. Um, and when my wife gave birth and we had Nina, I stepped back from the club for a couple of months and I was really proud at that time that the program that I developed could continue without me. And it did, and it did really well, really effectively. You know, I think a great leader you know, makes himself uh, unrequired. Uh, and so that was one one point I was proud of. And then with competitions, that was a, a huge challenge for me to learn to run and deliver competitions and do so effectively, successfully, give great experiences. And I often sit back at a competition when it's up and running, knowing that there's 50, 80, 100 people competing over a weekend, that the responsibility of them to have great times on me and my organization, the delivery of it. But again, I, I manage those events, so I'm a spare part. So everyone else is doing the doing. 
and I'm at the bottom, rung of the ladder, looking after them, um, bringing them biscuits, doing runs to the shop for, for lunch. Um, and so those are the points that I feel really proud. But that all comes back to the people. So the thing I'm most proud of is the people that I've given opportunities to, to who've developed and who get satisfaction and are happier and perhaps we contribute positively where they're going as well. So, it, yeah, the thing I'm proud of is just people. Would you be prepared to disclose a mistake you've made on your leadership journey and what you learned from it? I think if I was going to say a sort of standout feature, it's learning lessons in how to manage and the proximity of how hard or tight to manage and cajole or try to push and force. And um, that's a real skill that I'm still developing. Um, and, and in coaching, we, we, we call it the coaching tightrope of the right amount of challenge and the right amount of support. And then the dynamic of that within an individual can be different from person to person. So it's how to flex to the response you know, and respond to the requirements of the person in front of you. So that's perhaps not a big catastrophe where you know I've really got something wrong, but um, it's a continual learning experience of how to um, manage and lead and understand. Um, and, and ties in, I guess, to you know, the other theme of this podcast, which is compassion. You've got to meet people where they need to be met. And I think I recognise that I've got that wrong at times and I've challenged people too directly or, or in the wrong way or I've not listened or I've not asked the right questions or taken time to understand. And, and, and those are the things that I, you know, I'm still learning and getting better at. Mm. Uh, where will Hal and Marbell be going next? Have you any thoughts on that? Hopefully back in the gym. <laughs> people train. Yeah. So we're recording this in, in lockdown three and everything stopped. Prior to it being stopped, we had continued following the first lockdown and we um, weren't able to train in the gym, but we could train outside previously in the summer. Um, we were training in parks and car parks. We can't do that currently because of the weather. We weren't able to access our, our previous gym and that led us to find a new facility, uh, kindly a company called Kitlocker, who are a Sheffield-based company um, based in Attercliffe. They gave us some space. And so Helen Barbell is now uh, at Kitlocker and during the interim period between lockdowns we, we were back up and running and we were able to get our programs going again and actually we had more sessions a week we had more participants and we had uh, courses running that were fully subscribed the effect of covid and lockdown led us to being better than we ever had been we competed for the first time online and we got three british champions from that it just shows we got the right traction right momentum right people mm -hmm. uh, and the trajectory there is great too. So where are we going in the future? You know, we're going to try and carry on that success. We're currently going through a rebranding process. We're going to review uh, our identity and how we present that. And that's a journey I'm really looking forward to, to going on and doing with, with the community. And that will position us for what's next. I think we would like to stay with Kit Locker and you know, run our, our program there or in association with them. Uh, we'll be rolling out community programs, particularly for people who are deprived or disadvantaged and in difficult circumstance through um, personal situation, COVID or, or otherwise. We've got some key audiences with young people you know, at the front and centre of that, and we've just become a, a British Weightlifting Talent Academy, one of uh, a number in the country. And, and within that are programs at Helen Barber, which have been quite diverse in the past. We're trying to just laser in a little bit and, and, and doing so, we're going to run Olympic weightlifting products, but also strength and fitness products. Olympic weightlifting for people who want to compete or use the specific Olympic lift, snatch, clean and jerk. But the health and fitness programs for, for those who want that social experience to be fitter, happier um, through um, social training. 
and uh, you want to grow. I'd like to take that program to a number of places, different schools, different areas, and, and really roll that through certainly the Sheffield City region, Sheffield, Rotherham, Doncaster, Barnsley, but but hopefully wider at the field too. And that's a, yeah, a long-standing vision to take the, the program forward to coach more people and possibly affect more lives. Great. In episode 15 of this podcast, we interviewed Rob Copeland of Sheffield's Advanced Wellbeing Research Centre. In 2021, the AWRC launches a leading health and wellbeing programme in which you're involved. Would you like to tell us about that? Yeah, I'd love to. The collaboration from the Advanced Wellbeing Research Centre with, with Richfield and Field Enterprise uh, will be to, to roll out and deliver a, a leading health and wellbeing programme through the, the region, which will be tied into the wellbeing economics plan to help leaders of organisations put wellbeing at the centre of their decisions and recognising a, a, a fitter, a healthier, happier workforce can be more productive and uh, can deliver economic success for the business and the region. And that programme is um, due to start. We, we've pushed the, the launch back actually till, till, till June so that we can do it face-to-face. And it's a, an eight-day programme of, of four two-day blocks with, with a real ambition to create advocates and ambassadors in the region to represent a great way of, of working and the participants on the course to look after themselves and their health and fitness, their friends and family, and also their, their colleagues and the workforce and their organisations. And who's that specifically targeted at? So we're looking for um, leaders, uh, business owners of SMEs. Uh, I believe we um, are pretty much fully subscribed for the, for the first cohort. Um, some invites and material has gone out. We're looking for 30 to 35 individuals. Uh, and I think there's strength and synergy and there's opportunity there through a, a collective programme that can have such a big impact the, the ambition to take that program from from Sheffield and deliver multiple programs in Sheffield, but into the Rotherham, Barnsley, Doncaster districts too, and have numerous programs running in, in parallel to one another. So we're really creating a, a number of leaders who have been through the program and have a, a very specific outlook and a way of working, but but stay in touch with one another. So we're creating a community there, and by doing so, I think we can really influence and affect the, the region and the outlook and the, the well-being within organisations and the way people do work. It'll be fascinating to see how that pans out in the future for this region. So you you have a pretty busy schedule. What does your self-care regime look like? Self-care regime is um, something that I pay attention to and and try hard with, although um, we can always do better. Um, Part of my self-care regime is is self-nurturing and self-compassionate, knowing that we can always do better and to not beat ourselves up when we don't. I think this is a really difficult topic because it's really easy to be aspirational in intentions or answer with some smoke and mirrors. And I think we see this on the internet all the time, don't we? The, the, the gurus or the the way people present a phony life as such. Um, mm. Self-care regime is pretty, pretty simple. I try and eat well. I try and drink a, a reasonable amount of alcohol, but not too much. I try to enjoy activities for myself, rowing, cycling, running, lifting weights, and social activities with, with my wife and, and daughter. And I've got two greyhounds, so I walk to nursery with my daughter and a little loop around Loxley with my greyhounds is a regular thing. Some rowing in the garage or, or running down to Dan Flask and back um, is something I do regularly. But I'm not great at it because I'm so driven for the programs that I lead and the people that I'm trying to take with me. 
and I do get run down and I, I don't perhaps look after myself as much as uh, I'd like to, my wife would like to, uh, or in the way that perhaps, you know, we'd encourage others to. And it's constantly hard work. Yeah, so I, I review, I reflect and I accept um, where I'm at and then try to go again. I think I'm doing all right. Uh, I feel pretty healthy and happy, but we can all dream of being better and brighter, can't we? Indeed. Is there a person or experience that's inspired you on your journey? Yeah, in terms of a person or, or an experience, Richard Field, who I've mentioned a couple of times, has been a really significant individual, significant in his knowledge and experience and, and wisdom and, and how he shares that and presents it and the way he's given time to, to me personally to, to help me develop, support me and also believed in, in me of the way he's asked me to join him and the team on the Leading Health and Wellbeing Programme. Um, so, you know, if um, you, you're looking perhaps for uh, an introduction to Richard and get him on this podcast, I'd really recommend that and being um, willing to facilitate that because he's a, a fantastic, a fantastic guy. Thanks. I might take you up on that, Dave. We'll talk about that later. So is there a book, podcast or video that you'd recommend to aspiring leaders? So much, isn't there? So much knowledge and information available mm. now. Yeah. And there's so many books, clearly, and podcasts and websites going on and yeah, completely. I mean, I suppose one of the reasons I asked the question is it's becoming increasingly difficult for people to sift through all that blizzard of information and broadcasting that's going on. So I just wondered if there were any standouts for you. There's some long-standing books that I go back to and read regularly. But I'm going to, I'm going to mention specifically a website, which uh, I really enjoy. And then uh, an organisation that has a number of books. And the website is called Brain Pickings, and it's um, by, by a woman, I think she's called Maria Popovia. And on a weekly basis, there or thereabouts, she summarizes up some, some really beautiful literature, um, some of the classics, some, some more recent and, and modern books. Uh, and she's just got a lovely way of writing. And I find that taking some time to read her insights into some literature um, and her interpretation and the way she really articulately summarizes and, and digs into you know the deeper topics of some of the books she reviews it is really good it's not a leadership particularly but i think a good leader um, learns lessons from all over the place and is able to convert lessons and questions and themes from other places into context um, of their surroundings and so uh, brain picking is something that i go to and enjoy and it's that little bit of quiet space too but I will also mention something called the School for Life, which is something I found that I really enjoy. Um, it's led by a, say, a modern-day philosopher called Alain de Botton, and he uh, he grew up as a very wealthy and privileged young man. His dad was a Swiss banker. Uh, he had a very privileged education, and I think his dad died relatively early, uh, and he inherited a, a lot of money from his father at a time when he completed an excellent education but saw all his friends around him who had such privilege were really struggling. And he concluded that the, the privilege in their life from this great education didn't actually make them happy or answer the key questions in life or teach them how to cope with some of the challenges in life. And he went about setting up this organization called the School for Life, which is an alternative curriculum and it has a lot of philosophy and lessons in life to, to help people with a, a wider context than what generally taught in schools. Um, and there's a lovely range of literature. I'm currently reading a book called Great Thinkers, which uh, has got about 50 or four or five page insights into different thinkers from philosophers to political theorists to people in music and fashion. Uh, and I, I'm really, really enjoying that. 
you know, there's a lot of detail there and a lot of great insight. All the questions, the great questions have been asked and answered many times. And in that context, he presents that really well. So uh, there, there's something for your listeners. Um, brain picking and the school um, of life. Alan de Botto. He was Alan. on. He had a podcast on the BBC for a while, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I listened to that. So uh, finally, a question that I ask all of uh, my guests. What advice would you give your 20-year-old self? I'd say be quiet, listen, watch, and be consistent with your effort. And I think be quiet, listen, and watch. I guess you conclude that with patience as well, because as a young man, I was quite noisy. You know, I'm pretty extroverted. Um, and I think on reflection, looking back, I tried too hard to dominate the room and dominate my surroundings. And um, I bet that um, probably wound some people up or, uh, you know, it was uh, – a, a, a noise and a frustration to some folks and what I've learned as I've grown older is um, the observer and the observed and it, it's uh, sometimes nice to, to be the observer too and then in terms of you know be consistent work hard if you do that good things will happen so yeah there's uh, something to take away from not always being the center of attention and putting the limelight on others being a bit quieter at times and then quiet consistent hard work will always get you to a good place Dave Many thanks for coming on the show today. It's been great talking with you. I think we agree that sports clubs are so important to the health and wellness of our community. And it's been inspiring to hear about your work with Helen Barbell and with other clubs in the region. And thanks for listening to the Compassionate Leadership interview. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can find me at patreon.com forward slash Chris Whitehead. Email me about the show, chris at damflask-consulting.com. You can order Compassionate Leadership, the book on Amazon. And this episode was recorded by Squadcast in Sheffield. And the music was brought to you by 96 Back on CPU Records. <laughs>